Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Chalk Line Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Bo Wills, alongside my other co-host, Will Summers. Say hi, Will. How's it going, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Um, Guest-free show today, just Will and I rolling solo dolo. Um, Hopefully looking to have a guest here for the second episode of the week. Uh, People just kind of busy right now in some of our... Our guests that we were looking to have lined up for this week just ended up not being able to make it so far. So uh, look at looking to add one for uh, for Friday's show. If not, sorry, you got to deal with us two again, but that's just the case. Um, yeah, uh, great episode. We're going to fill it up. NL Central preview. What the hell happened to this guy? Um, a lot of good stuff. Start, bench, cut, retire. Not to mention, um, you know, another great weekend of NFL football and Oh my god! Um, yeah, Trevor what a, what a, dude, he's he's that guy. He dude, is that, that was, guy. That was unreal. In Duval too, Duval County. I have, go Jags. Uh, that was. I mean, that's about the most Chargers way to lose a football game that I've ever seen. Don't dude, know if they could have. Yeah, they just did not play good. The, the craziest thing is the four interceptions in the first quarter. Like that's Nathan Peterman status. That is a Nathan Peterman. And then he game. just. Comes back and lights it up. Right, and even to top it all off, you got the the uh, the punt fumble off the dude's helmet that wasn't even looking, and didn't even really notice that it hit his head. He just kept going. It was crazy. The whole weekend was just bizarre. Dude, and then oh? Brady's probably done. I mean, he's Dude, gotta be done, right? They were awful. There's no way he can come back and play. I mean, I guess he could, but. I know you How saw you? my pretty clever tweet. If you, kn- if you listen to Frank, I put Darren Ruff's face over Tom uh, Brady's yeah, body. That was, that was pretty good. I like that. <laughs> but that was pretty solid. He was not good, <laughs> dude. And Mike Evans debatably had that drop. I know they were probably going to lose anyway, but I thought they could have maybe made it back, made it interesting if he caught that. But it that, right cost, that, that cost me uh, a friendly. Uh, yeah, I heard. Yeah. I heard about that from a lot of people. I was um, scrolling through Twitter, and I guess it was a pretty popular bet in the gambling world. So he lost Three, a lot of people money. Three forty, it cost me. Pretty, pretty unreal though. Like, oh sorry, how good Mike Evans has been. Like, super underrated. Like he's, I think, what was it, nine years in a row with a thousand? Yeah. Potential crazy. Bears trade target. I hope, dude. I'm so nervous they're gonna screw it up. I mean, I well, that's a, that's the thing is they I really know. it's easy to screw this up because they're not they're not good right now. So all it takes is a couple bad spending moves and you screw it up. But like you're not. There were a team such as you know Green Bay where they've they've got a, a pretty decent roster and you're just trying to fill holes. It's not as hard to screw it up as you make one mistake. Well, you still have a pretty solid roster. The Bears roster is so flawed. It's almost impossible. It, you're, you're it would it would just be looking, such the most Bears thing ever to like. Trade Justin Fields, draft Bryce Young. Justin Fields ends up being like the greatest quarterback ever, like literally the goat. And then Bryce Young just sucks. I I, I don't. I, would not be I really don't see any way that they do that. I, I hope not. I it's, think the only reason it's even out in the media is just to try and pump up the trade value of the, of the pick, so people want to get in front of the Bears and take the quarterback because they might take it. But a lot of speculation, a lot more Justin Fields trade talk than I thought, though, which is frightening. But. I'm hoping they do the right thing. I would be shocked. And there's too many holes on that roster to try and fill. 
yeah. Anyway, so if we can get at least remotely close to having one position good, we should just ride it. No need. It's the only Fields position is, that's really good. Yeah. Besides yeah. maybe safety with Brisker and Eddie Jackson. Yeah, and uh, we're getting a little bit somewhere with corner with um Johnson and uh yeah Kyler Gordon. Gordon. So yeah, I mean, I think their offseason plan. Yeah, we're totally shifting from baseball talk here, but you know, it's just the Bears. Uh, their their offseason has to be almost just get a bunch of big ass dudes. Yeah, they need offensive linemen, they need defensive linemen, they need linebackers, they need edge rushers. Big wide they probably need another tight end. They need a big receiver. They just need to go after big ass dudes, and then yeah. I'll run, I, you know, I'll, you know, I'll probably stud running back if it's not Montgomery. So. Yeah, I, don't I wouldn't think mind. Keep I wouldn't him. mind Pollard. Honestly, yeah, Pollard, and he's solid. Well, he's of all the like the free agent running backs, he's got the least amount of miles. Yeah, I know? agree with that. So he has he hasn't really gotten taxed the way that Saquon has and Jacobs has. So. All right, he's probably pretty. Even decent. James Robinson, so we can get a decent old line. Mm-hmm. I, I've always liked James Robinson. I thought he was a solid player. That's a weird move. What? Might, this, might be, this might be the. This the might e- be the chalk line football talk podcast. <laughs> the ETN trade, or they traded James Robinson. Yeah, the Jags did. That was. Yeah, so I don't weird. get why the Jets made that move. They never used him. Well, then, um, Iowa State, Brees Hall got hurt. Yeah, but yeah, they, but they, they never used that, him. You so never used time, them, so it didn't it make any made sense. A, made a really good sense at the time, but... Uh, yeah, and they never used them. I don't know. After that, it did it. not. But what do you say we talk some baseball yeah. now? Yeah, let's, let's, let's try and, let's try and <laughs> talk some baseball. Let's yeah, hit that intro. All right, roll it. The game right now is at the plate. A lot of room in right center. The chance of a lifetime. Sitting on 7-14. She is gone! All right, uh, episode nine, and ESPN did a big old drop uh, yesterday, and wow, an offseason full of long-term, big-time, big-money, free agent signings, ESPN came out with some news, and that's from executives across the league and some players and some analysts. Shohei Otani could be looking at a $500 million contract in the offseason after the 2023 season, and that is big time because that's, the sport has never seen it. Not only has the sport never seen it, but the largest dollar value in the history of North American sports is $450 million set by Patrick Mahomes. Wow, I didn't even so know that. We could see, we could see the biggest contract in the history of, of the United States and the North America's largest sports come from not only a baseball player, but a baseball player who's an international guy, which I think is in it's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. So, Will, what do you got? I mean, I, I it's obvious that he deserves the money. I mean, you don't see this talent every day. We have never seen this actually, but. My one thought on it is that I don't think there's any shot that the Angels keep him. No, no way. You're already no paying way. Rendon and Trout. And obviously, 
the situation you have there now is not working. You have not made the playoffs. You haven't. I don't even know. I don't think their record has even been. I don't even think, even think they've been close. So, I mean, just paying him more is going to hurt you more because you're not going to be able to build other pieces around him. So, I think he's gone from the Angels. So, that's that was my question was more of who do we think that he will be best suited for? I mean, obviously, you could say the Mets. Steve Cohen willing to spend money. Yeah. Also said he. Like, I saw this the other day that he promised somebody that he would win a championship in three years or quit or Ooh, something Cohen? like that. Yeah. So maybe that's why he's like <laughs> going on the spending spree. But yeah, that's my thoughts on it. I don't think there's a chance in heck that he stays with the Angels, especially in the AL West. But yeah, what do you think about it? Well, isn't that like a, that point aside? Like, isn't that sad that they so can't sad. keep? O- they have they two can't of the best keep- baseball players, like two generations ever played the sport. Yes, and on the same team, you can't even say that it's oh, it's because they don't have pitching. Well, one of them is a pitcher. <laughs> one of them in hits. You basically <laughs> have three generational talents. I would even say. Yeah, because you get you get one that plays yes. two. Exactly, and Rendon, no, who's good. Cra- well, that's the sad. That, that what's the, the sad so part sad. of it is you've made so many poor financial decisions on baseball players that have not been very good that you won't be able to keep the greatest player. Like here, here's the other part: he could be the greatest player that would ever play for that fan, that franchise simply because of how talented he is, and that's with Mike Trout playing for that franchise. They wouldn't be able to keep him not because they they fiscally can't afford it because they showed they can pay Trout that money. They can't afford him because they've made so many poor financial decisions in so many different areas that they like, they literally could not keep him because they would be either bankrupt or they wouldn't be able to field the rest of the team. They are the second, Chicago Bears of the MLB organization oh wise. It's incredible. And the sec the second part of that, the second part of that is like what you were talking about where he goes. There's not a single team in Major League Baseball. That should not pay. That shouldn't be able to pay him five hundred million dollars. And we've talked about this, like you know, the whole owners not wanting to spend money and collecting profit, you know, and all that stuff. We get that. You're talking about the greatest, the greatest skilled player to ever play our sport. And I think that I, I think you can make that statement very clear. There's never been a player with the skill set of Shohei Otani to ever play Major League Baseball. A guy that can throw a hundred, break off cutters, sliders, and splitters who also hits 40 home runs from the left-handed batter's box. Never seen a player like him before in our in the history of the sport. Would you go as far to say that he is the Michael Jordan of baseball? No, I wouldn't. You, I would not. I don't think you can compare him. They're t- no, he's uh, so I don't well, it's a different, different argument cuz yeah. I don't know you I don't know if Jordan's the most talented player to ever win or to ever play. He just won a shit ton. Same thing with Brady, right? Like Brady's the most Right. Winning quarterback, but he's clearly not the most talented guy that's ever played. Otani is clearly the most talented player that's ever played baseball. It probably in the history of the sport, not just in Major League Baseball. There's never been a player that's ever played the sport like Otani. And if you are a owner of a baseball team, even if you're the Oakland Ace, how can you not say that guy's worth five hundred million dollars? Because even even if you don't like spending money on guys. And let's say your payroll is $65 million and Shohei's 50 of it. He's making you that money. You would make that money back based on what the jerseys you sell in the United States, 
the jerseys you sell in North America, the jerseys you'd sell to Japan, and anywhere. Not to mention the ticket revenue that would come in. Like I, just pointing at the A's, but the the Asian American population in California, they're gonna go to more Oakland games because they get Shohei playing. There's not a single team in the in, in the league that should not pay Shohei Otani five hundred million dollars. It's tough to say the Athletics though because they need to, they need a new stadium too. So they, there you go. You could tell, argue tell, that they tell could Oakland show that. up and give us the money, and you're gonna have Shohei playing in your in your city. It every, goes two ways because it could be that, or they could just use the five hundred million to build their stadium. Because I know, aren't they just moving? make Shohei a part owner? <laughs> Are they confirmed? They should. I mean, like the Green Bay I, Packers. Everyone's yeah, a public just owner. Give him stock. No, I, yeah, is that a, is that a dumb thing to say? What? Instead of paying him five hundred million dollars, just say like, no, yeah, here, here's one percent of the organization. I don't think he would. I don't think one percent of the Oakland Athletics would be enough, though. He'd probably need a little bit more than that. Well, it's probably a billion. It's probably a billion dollar organization that increases in revenue every year. Yeah, it was just a joke because they're bad, but I guess it wasn't funny. But and you'd have one. You'd have one percent for the rest of your life because you're the owner. I guess. Didn't Trevor Lawrence be a pretty his contract game. in Bitcoin? Yeah, that worked out well, huh? Yeah, it's probably it was a signing bonus. It's in half probably right now because I think yeah, Bitcoin was like fifty k at all Waffle House. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, that's true. He's but, never lost on a Saturday in his life. It's insane. But yeah, yeah I back can't like get the show here. Yeah, the, the show hey thing. I don't, I don't know how you can make the argument that a team should not want to sign him, whether or not you're competing. It's kind of beside the point. He's he transcends the sport because of not only his you know nationality and you know the culture that he represents, but also his pure and utter difference from any player that's ever played this game. I, I don't. I I think he transcends whether you're trying to win or not. So I like I truly could see him signing somewhere with a team that maybe wasn't competitive. Honestly, I really could. Like I, I could see him signing with, you know, Pittsburgh or something. Like even I though they're not competitive. Happen. No, and for baseball's sake, I, you hope that doesn't happen. For baseball's sake, you hope, but for him, like, if, and if you're a team, there's no reason you shouldn't be competitive trying to get him. I, I wouldn't. Am I crazy to say I wouldn't hate him playing for Pittsburgh? Is that crazy to say? He kind of looked badass in the black and yellow. Not even that, but they're kind of. They're edgy. They're they're frisky. Well, and, I think yeah, they're we'll, frisky. We'll, we'll get we'll get to talk about. Yeah, them a I know. Bit today I too. think they're a little frisky. They are a little bit frisky. Yeah, yeah. I, I that's the part about the Shohei thing, and also adding on to what the ESPN document said, it wasn't just fifty million or the, the five hundred million. Um, some experts and some executives said five hundred million. Others said an AAV of fifty for about eight years. So we'd see about a four hundred and four hundred million dollar contract. We wouldn't get the five hundred. Um, and then others are talking about, you know, super deals, like a 12 for 480. So there's a a lot of differentiating opinions here, but the one big thing is we could see Shohei Otani get the largest contract in the history of North American sports. And I think that would be incredible for, for baseball. Like that's a good sign for baseball that you have the highest paid player in the history of North American sports is in your sport. So I, I, I think we also don't have if you're, if you're Manfred, if you're Manfred, you're you got to be pushing that. Like, hey, 
for the growth of this sport, you owners want to keep getting those good revenue shares. Someone needs to pay up and go get that man because that's only yeah. going to look good for us. That's only going to look good for us. That guy's making that much money. Exactly. It just feeds it just feeds the sport. So He's great for, he deserves it too because he's doing good things for the sport too. Yeah, he's just a he's a good good representative guy. of baseball. But shifting from Otani, um, we're going to talk about the arbitration stuff. I don't know if you saw all that, Will, but the arbitration, uh, the, the window for avoiding arbitration and signing a con or signing a contract with a player and a team has passed, um, and arbitration numbers had to be sent in. Uh, there, I believe, I don't, know, I think there was like 30, 27 maybe total arbitration cases filed. Um, there are some big names that had to file that couldn't agree with their teams. A couple of those names are Corbin Burns, Max Freed, Teoscar Hernandez, Bo Bichette, Kyle Tucker, Glaber Torres, and there's a few more too that also uh, are headliners. But those are the, those are the really the big ones. Uh, and some of the things that some like one of the main topics that came to mind for me was the difference in some of these because Corbin Burns filed at. Ten million and seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and the Brewers filed at ten million. So for their ace of the staff, one of the best pitchers they've ever had in franchise history, the Brewers decided to go to arbitration over seven hundred and fifty grand. I am I, that's appalling. Like we just talk about how good it was to show, like you know, the importance of spending on our big players and look at the money baseball has. And you have a team like the Brewers going to arbitration, one of the best pitchers in the sport and in their franchise's history over less than a million dollars, which is a complete freaking joke. What a joke. Such a slap in the face to Corbin Burns too. Like you're, you're, you're going to technically court, right? Just to yeah. get $750,000 and you're one of the best pitchers joke. in baseball. Crazy. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Like in the Max Fried one, I get it. You know, he fouled at fifteen yeah. Braves at one point five thirteen point five. That's a that's a one point five million dollar difference. That actually has a little bit of an impact. They're also seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, and they're the Brewers aren't paying anybody yeah, anything. They're paying nobody. They're, like, they have what? arbitration numbers with Adamas and uh you know Woodruff and like they already settled those. Like, you're not paying they, I, their biggest contract is Yelich, I think. They're not paying anybody anything, and then they have to settle for. They're, they're trying to fight over. So I hope Burns wins the case. Well, that that being said, because that's just bogus by the Brewers. What do they even argue in those cases that like they're worth as much as they requested? Yeah, there's like a statistical analysis based on things along with projections. So usually the teams will come up with if the guy's been really good, they'll come up with like regression type numbers and. From the player side, they'll come up with progression or you know maintaining the status quo, and then it's vice versa. If the, if the guy's not been as good, the team's going to be like, "Yeah, look what he's been doing. Look at his look at his track record." And the team's going to the players and their agents going to come up with you know here's where he's going to be at. Here's the progression. You know, here's some you know underlying analytics that tell us things should be different. So it, basically, the teams play on both one of sides. Those. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, uh, the teams play both sides. If the if the guy's been really good, they ignore the track record and say, "Well, he's not going to progress the way that you know we think he is, mm. or he's not going to stay where he's at." And then it's vice versa. If the guy hasn't been good, they just focus on the track record and look what he's been doing. Look what he's been doing. Look what he's been doing. Which is also, I, I want the hypocrisy that's kinda, in that. 
that's gonna ruin relationships, right? Exactly, right? Like, that's what? the hypocrisy in that. You're going to court with a guy that's on nuts. your team to tell him that he's not good. Like, you know, you're hey, you know, you're on our team and you know, we're gonna pay you millions of dollars, but you're not good. You, we, like here's why <laughs> we're gonna t- we're gonna tell you why you're not good. Not only are you just we're not gonna we're just gonna think it, we're gonna tell you why you're not good in front of your face. Brewers are gonna be like, yeah, like you're like the only reason that we ever can win, but this is why you don't deserve the seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's because exactly. you always order the most expensive food when we're on the plane and all this. You know what? Yeah. I want. I wish I was smart enough to do this, and I'm not. Maybe maybe I will be. I don't know. But I want someone to run a statistical analysis. Believe in yourself. Yeah. Uh, but I want someone to do a statistical analysis on how often players that actually go to arbitration cases, not get them settled before, go to arbitration with their team that stay with that team when they hit free agency. Because I think that'd, that'd be, be really interesting. That'd be a great stat. Because if you're Corbin Burns, don't you feel like a little bit betrayed? Dismay. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Don't you, don't 100%. you like, feel betrayed? Dude, it's like, $750,000. I want to sign you two years ago. I won a Cy Young two years ago, and I almost, I could have won another one this year. Like I, if Sandy Alcantara wasn't so amazing, I could have probably won another one. And you want to you want to cut me out of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars? You know, it's one thing with like Glaber and Bobichet on there, who honestly have not lived up to their full potential yet, in my opinion. But like Corbin Burns is your guy; he's the best player on your team. He's the one that's going to win you games more times than not when he's pitching. And you're going to go up there and he tell him that he's not valuable day. to you. Yeah, what? He's there every fifth day. He grinds. He stays healthy. He eats innings. He gets outs. He shoves. And he's a Cy Young candidate. Yeah, and it's like you said, Max Freed, you can come up with better reasons other than his performance to say why he's getting paid less. Like, hey, Max, we have more guys that we need to pay this year. We're going to compete for a World Series. We can't give you that extra $1.5 million. And, you know, that you're going to have to deal with that because we're making a run at another World Series, you know? Like, it's, it's not the same as, yeah, we suck. You're our best player. We're not going to pay you as much money. Yeah, or talking about the same example, the Teoscar Hernandez situation. So Teoscar filed at 16. You know, the Mariners filed at 14. He just got there. The Mariners just signed Julio to a massive extension, right? They have they have Castillo, who's going to be, you know, on the books here pretty soon. They're, they're paying a lot of guys a lot of money. They also just let Hanneker go. So it shows that, you know, they had they're not – Steve Cohen, they're not fluctuate, they're not just flowing with money, and it's a two million dollar difference. So I, I I get that stuff, and I understand some of the arbitration. I, I, it's just the hypocrisy of you're our best player, and we're gonna cheap you know cheap you out of seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and not only that, but I'm gonna tell you in this court case that you're not good enough, even though our team relies on you, rely like relies on him. Without Corbin Burns, they're not even a contention type of team they're just a you know a flatlining team that has to get through 162 right i'd really want to sit in on that case and just hear the reasoning that the brewers have like yeah statistically at this age pitchers just aren't as good mm-hmm. as this and yeah that. yes but i don't get it and they and they settled with woodruff but they didn't settle with burns Interesting. over seven hundred thousand dollars. i just don't it's bizarre to me that is it's bizarre yeah. to me but uh, yeah, and then the final, the, the big news baseball wise of the weekend, uh, Trey Mancini, the Cubs, two year deal, $14 million, and the Cubs just keep doing stuff. Very underrated, and we're going to talk more about that later. But 
I'm excited for Trey Mancini. Honestly, you know, the guy's been through a lot. He had, uh, I forget what type of cancer, but he did have cancer. I think cancer. it was colon, wasn't it? Yeah, it was colon, the cancer. That sounds right. But I'm excited for him this season. I think he's going to have a big, he's going to have a good offseason this year. Obviously, he did have the colon cancer two years ago, I believe. And then last mm-hmm. season, I saw something about the lockout really hurt his offseason program. So, this year, having a full offseason regimen, I think he will have a big year. Obviously, for the Cubs, he can play first outfield and will probably DH most of the time. So, he won't step on Hosmer's toes or anything. But I think it's a great pickup for the Cubs. They just keep adding depth, which is yeah scary for White Sox fans. But at the same time, I'm happy for them. They're making moves. Yeah, nothing really more to I say than that. Say, yeah, I can't say I'm happy for them, but you know they went out and got the one big star, right? They went out and got the star in Swanson. They added rotation depth. You know they went and got Tyone. They kept Drew Smiley. Obviously, Stroman's still hanging out there. You know, they added a bunch of depth in the lineup with Bellinger and Hosmer and now Mancini. So you know, and Tucker Barnhart at catcher. So they're. They made the one big splash, right? The huge splash with Swanson. And they've made some other moves that are depth, upside pickups, right? Like the Bellinger move is clearly an upside play. You're playing that he gets, you know, you make a few adjustments and he can get back to an MVP form. You're banking on the upside of Mancini because he's done it before and he's kind of had, like you said, some things going on behind the scenes that obviously are going to be, you know, taking an effect on, on any person, especially an athlete. And then same thing with Hosmer. Hosmer's been. You know, rough, but we've also seen Hosmer be one of the better first basemen in baseball at some points, taking an upside play there. You know, you can't really hate where they're at. If they were a team that was coming off of, you know, the past year being a team that was trying to win a World Series, I don't like the moves that much. But when you're a team that's coming off a pretty rough year, but you know you have some good young pieces that need to contribute and might also be a little bit farther away than you want, the best way to kind of you know, hang on with that and, and move forward is add some veteran depth, add some guys with upside, and then see where it goes. We saw the Orioles do it this past year, right? You know, they got guys like Santander, and he's kind of helping maintain some strength in that lineup while you, you wait for guys like Gunner and Adley to get to a point where they're really successful major league players. You know, that's that's kind of what the Cubs are kind of doing here. Adding yep. depth pieces, adding veteran guys, and just seeing if they can figure it out. If they can't, no big deal. We got guys that we're hoping are going to be able to take those spots eventually anyway. And if all of a sudden, you know, Hosmer, Mancini, and Ballinger are having career years, well, now you're not only contending, but these are guys you might look forward to as pieces that you can also build on. So, um, yeah. We talked about how good their pipeline is before, their prospects. So I think giving these season veterans some time to get comfortable in Chicago while their younger guys are still developing and then it all clash at once. And unfortunately I think they're going to be good again. Yeah. Just like and I, first time. Yep. And I don't know if 2023 is it. I, I, I don't think they're no, there I yet, don't think so. but this could be the sign of something to come. And it's also a sign that the Cubs are finally back in the mode of we're going to try and spend and win, which they hadn't been for a few years ever since they, did all the renovations and COVID hit them hard. They look like they're ready to go. And it was funny. Um, if you watched any MLB network, um, you know, prior really to this, the Swanson signing, uh, Matt Vasgersian was very critical of the Cubs. 
know, you are the Chicago Cubs. You're supposed to be spending. You have an obligation to be a baseball team that tries to win because of just what your standard is, where your market's at, what your legacy is. And they've answered pretty, they pretty distinctly. They answered. So you got to give them that credit. So. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh that's our little baseball intro and you know, kinda covering what has happened over, you know, the the long weekend with a little MLK day. And uh let's move into a little NL Central preview here. Back with our second division preview so far of the winter. We started with the AL Central. And we're going to stick in the Central. And we're going to go to the National League side with the NL Central. Kind of do a little preview. A little, uh, little highlight of each team. What they're looking forward to going into 2023. And uh, see where they're going. So, Will, start it off, man. What's your, what's your thoughts here on the NL Central? My thoughts on the NL Central is that there is a clear... Number one team that will be predicted to be the one, which is the Cardinals. Kept a lot of the pieces they had last year, added Contreras, but still missing that one pitcher that could end up biting them in the playoffs. Besides that, I'd say the two through four spots are not not necessarily wide open, but they're open for movement, I would say. Because I they're, agree with that. they're not even. The three, the three teams I'm referring to are the Cubs, Brewers, and Pirates. They're not the same. They're not like eat neck and neck like I'd say the White Sox, Twins, and Guardians where they're like, oh, like either one of these teams could win it. I think there's some teams that are better than others, but I, don't, I can't. I can see the standings being very mixed up here. And I got, I said the Cubs were my number two team this year. Okay. Like we just said. Yeah, I like them this year. Um. I don't think they got everything to, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs, maybe a wild card. That's a stretch, a very big stretch, but I don't think they're going to be their best this year. They made a lot of sneaky additions, but they still have lots to prove to play together as a team. The Brewers, I just can't see them having a great year this year. Since their peak in like, what was it, like 2018, they were really good. They've just been going really downhill since then making a lot of questionable front office moves too. But yeah, and I got attribute that to one guy too. <laughs> which is really like sad. The... Yeah. <laughs> I do like the Pirates too though. I Let's talk too. about the Pirates for a little bit. What do you think yeah. about the Pirates? You know, offensively, I like them. Boy, that pitching staff is going to be tough though. Not good. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to look at what they're going to roll out there for their five. But three of them are Dick Mountain, also known as Rich Hill, uh, Vince Dick Velasquez. I've never heard that before. You never heard of Dick Mountain? No, that's pretty funny. Instead of Rich Hill, it's Dick I got Mountain. It. I understood it right away, but I've never heard that before. Really? No, that yeah. was like what he was called for years, Dick Mountain. I don't know. I must have been living <laughs> under a rock during yeah. that time. There you go. Dick Mountain, that's your new one you can hang on to. But I like that. Yeah, In their rotation, I mean, just... just Listen to three of their five starters right now. Unless they go sign somebody. Rich Hill, Vince Velasquez, and JT Brubaker, which is just a rough <laughs> oh, trio. God. Like 
you could have a series where those three guys pitch, and that's not that's horrifying. Really, compa- like imagine like you're in like a you know game three of it's a rubber match trying to take the series. You're at St. Louis, and here comes Vince Velasquez with a big start. Like there's this. Oh, no. Yeah, I just you know. Oh, did you see the hype video they dropped for him though? I think so. Oh my god, they dropped a hype video. Remind for me, I definitely signing. did see it. Yeah, it's it's unreal. The fact, like, who drops a hype video for Vince Velasquez? Okay, yeah, I did see it. I wasn't sure if there was anything more to it because there was another hype video that was memed recently. But yeah, yeah I remember people just being like, "Hey, why, why is our like, social media team just tweeting out Vince Velasquez?" Like, I get Andrew McCutcheon, legend like, in Pittsburgh, but that well, Vince that one makes sense. Velasquez? Yeah. I, I was completely. I don't think I can name one shocked. cool thing or like one significant fact about Vince Velasquez. The only cool thing he's ever done was when he wasn't pitching, when he was playing the outfield against the White Sox. Oh yeah, and I remember. He Didn't threw he out, throw, he threw out yeah. Eloy at the plate. That was the best thing he's ever done. And no, cool. and that one time, I think he threw the ball left-handed to first base. I think like someone hit like a comeback or knocked his glove off or something or hit his hand. And he threw it lefty to first base. But basically, I stand, all of this corrected. He's a pretty cool guy. It actually, sounds like I kind of forgot. All that of his cool things. moments have come when he like wasn't actually pitching a ball, though. <laughs> They've come either playing the outfield or getting hit by a comebacker because he got teed <laughs> off on. <laughs> like those are his big. Uh... Oh, hey! Breaking news: Brewers signed Brian Anderson, formerly of the Miami Marlins. It's a decent really? signing for them, actually. Yeah, as we're talking the NL Central. That's a pretty good signing for them. You got non-tendered by the Marlins and you know, guy that plays a lot of positions. Versatile guy, right-handed hitter. Not a bad pickup for them. I like that, actually. I think that actually helps them. Did um, you see that? Yeah. Jeff Passon's late on that. It's not like uh, him. ML- MLB trade rumors. Oh. I'm telling you, they are MLB trade rumors. All, anybody listening to the podcast, uh, if you are interested in baseball news or articles, they get out breaking news basically as fast as anybody. If Passon tweets it, they have it 10 seconds later. If, you know, Nightingale or uh, Rosenthal or anybody tweets out stuff, it's out. They're fantastic. All kinds of minor league signings. They're really, really good. Follow LB Trade Rumors. No free ads, but they don't really. This isn't even an ad. It's just is a baseball fan. Really good follow. I got the notifications on because I get so much news from them. It's ridiculous. We'll give them a but, shout yeah. out here because they beat Pass into this one. Yeah, they're really good. Usually they're not even reporting it. They just see it, and then boom, it's already out. So it's really, really good. good. For them. Yeah, um, but yeah, no. I the Pirates should be fun. Like they'll probably lose a bunch of games, like seven to five. Yeah, because which is that middle of the order is fun. Like McCutcheon, fun. O'Neal Cruz, Cruz, fun. Key Brian Hayes, fun. Right? Like, Carlos Jack Santana, Lewinsky. fun. Yeah, your boy Suey, like, got a chance to prove himself and be a part of that outfield moving forward. Fun. It's such a Brian Reynolds, if he, as long as he's there, fun. Like, it's a fun yep. lineup. It's a fun team. Just the pitching. They should have brutal. a lot of fun this year. Yeah, the pitching. And the back end of the bullpen's not bad either. <laughs> they got David Bednar, who's pretty good. Yep. And Robert Stevenson's not bad. Will Crow's not bad. It's, it's not a bad roster. The pitching is just horrible. Like the starting pitching is so bad, and I don't, I don't like. They're banking on Mitch Keller and Roancy Contreras, who have right. Mitch Keller hasn't really done much, and Roancy pitched like five games at the end of last year, and he's a predict number one starter right now. So I don't feel confident in their pitching. I, I love to watch their highlights. Like it's going to be cool watching O'Neill Cruz hit a 
115 mile an hour rocket off the right field wall and then McCutcheon hit a <laughs> bomb. That's going to be dope to watch, but I yeah. don't know how many outs they actually get, which is why I got them four. But, That's where I had them. I don't know mm, if I clarified that, but I had them at four. And I have well, the other five. thing too is they limited the amount of interdivision games this year. So it's the number. I, it used to be 19 oh. against each opponent. I want to say it's 15 or 16. It's It's different now. So you play less games, which means more games against other teams. And when you're playing in one of the weaker divisions in the sport, that means you got to go play against you. one of the better divisions in better divisions in the sport. Which isn't just right. isn't a good ratio. Same thing with the Cardinals. Like Cardinals got a lot of free wins last year against the Pirates and the Reds and the you know Cubs. Now they're gonna have to go play you know out in NL West or the NL East and play better teams, which isn't as good for them. I'm guessing you had Reds five then. That's where I had them. Uh, they're gonna be a brutal watch. I I will I. It's gonna be hard to get me to sit down and want to watch a Reds game this year. Like yeah. even if the White Sox are playing them, it's gonna it's gonna be hard to want to like sit down and watch that Reds team take the field. I missed like, the middle of their they lineup. Were, they had the a great year yeah. in 2020. That was so exciting. That great was team. fun. At Bauer back, that was a good rotation. Yep. That was Bauer. Uh, who else in that rotation? Of the 2020 Reds. No, Bauer was at the front. Uh, Lorenzen, then, maybe. Yeah, they probably had no? Lorenzen. Maybe. Uh, Di Sclafani was probably in that rotation. I don't think Hunter Green was old enough yet. He wasn't up yet. I'm missing somebody from that room. Wade Miley was in that rotation. Wade Miley was. That's when he like had a renaissance. Uh, but yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a fun team. And now they're, they're just like, you're in the middle of their lineup is so India's hitting second more than likely. Mm-hmm. And then you got Vado and then Tyler Stevenson and Will Myers. That's the middle of their order, which is a rough middle of the order. You're banking on Will Myers being your bopper. <laughs> like that's not where you want to be in terms like they are. They're basically ignorant to trying to win this year. There's no way. Basically, what you're watching is Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. They're fun. They're actually pretty good arms. Other than that, that team's a tough watch. I'm not sure how big they are on their current players, but they are very young. Like, the average age is probably 27, I'd say, 28. they're not good. Like, Jake Fraley is their starting left fielder. Not good. Yeah, I guess. Even though they're everyone young, else, like, everyone else in their lineup is a, at least a third round pick, though in the draft, if that means anything. It's like you know, <laughs> hey, I got a new TV. Did you know? Yeah, it's twelve inches. Sick. What about okay. Spencer Steer? He's the number number seven prospect for them. Yeah, not yeah, bad. Not bad. But you know, I just, only guys that exc- they got Noel V. Marte, who should be coming up to play a little bit. Ellie De La Cruz, who might come up and play a little bit this year. Those are guys to look out for if you're a Reds fan. That's a rough watch. They're just going to be tough. Unless Hunter Green or Nick Lodolo are starting, or maybe you know Graham Ashcraft comes in and rips 99-mile-an-hour cutters. They're just really tough to watch. And unless you're a big Joey Votto fan and love Which watching Votto. Yeah, you're a big Votto guy, aren't you? Sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, unless you're a big Joey Votto guy or a guy that likes Joey Votto, um, you know, you're just a, it's just a tough watch. Yeah. 
They'll probably take but, some wins away from, in uh, in a division well, yeah. race. Though. If Green Rick, or Lodolo are starting. Yep. That'll That's they'll be it, exciting. Though. I'm excited to watch them. I, I'm a big Hunter Green guy. Big on him. Are you? Sure. I like him. He's not good. Yeah, I remember he's when he was coming out of high school, he was like the first like huge. The dual guy. Yep. Big yeah, he was, prospect that like I ever heard about coming out of high school. He was one of the guys they young. thought could really stick with it. Yeah. But still working out for him though. Making millions yeah. in the majors. So good for him. Yeah, back to the, back to the top of the division. I never really got, I never really talked about Cardinals, yeah. Cubs, Brewers, but um, yeah, kind of like what you said about the Cardinals, the pitching. You look at the names; it's a pretty like namey rotation: Wainwright and Michaelis and Flaherty and Jordan Montgomery and uh, who's that at five? I don't know who their five is, but it's a pretty namey rotation. You know, they got big names, guys that have done it before. Their number five is who? Yeah, Steven Matz. Yeah. So, you know, guys that have been there, done it. Here's the thing. Can they post? Can they, every fifth day, show up and be healthy? Because Flaherty hasn't, and Matz hasn't, and Montgomery had this apparition of a year, right? I mean, like, came over from the Yankees and just became like the greatest left-handed pitcher ever to touch a baseball. Can he just be like half of that? Cause that would be huge for them. And then you're banking on Wayne, right? Who is now how old? Oh yeah. 41. 41. So we'll turn 42 you know, this season. Yeah. That's not ideal. And the depth isn't huge. They do have Libertor in the minors who, you know, top, heralded prospect can he figure it out and get to the big leagues i don't know rays gave up on him but you know dakota hudson kind of back there is depth piece too it's a it's a dicey rotation which is why on the last episode i made the case that there's a team this sign you know can't say his name because i don't want to come across as canceled but that guy it might be them because it's a team that could legitimately make the case that they need him and he puts them over the top Gah, the rotation's iffy for me. The bullpen, you got Halsey back there. You got Gallegos. You got Genesis Cabrera. It's a nice ro- It's a nice back end of the bullpen. I just don't know if the starters hold up, and they got to stay healthy, man, because they haven't been. Do you think they? there's a chance that they trade Ivan Herrera in AAA, who's top 100 prospect but a catcher who they you just could. signed? Or do they? Well, can you ever have too many, though? No, and you, you, re- you realistically could make the argument that you could trade him because you just signed Contreras to this this bigger deal, and he's your guy now. You could also make the case they trade one of those outfielders because they're pretty deep out there. You see Nolan Gorman trade too. They got plenty of ma- like major league ready pieces they could trade to go get somebody. Who do they go get though? Because there's only one really starting pitcher on the market right now, and that's Pablo Lopez from Miami. Other than that, there's not a lot of pitchers on the market to go trade for. You haven't heard big names being thrown around. Because think about it, everybody's trying to compete. Miami's kind of yeah, probably not going to compete, right? Washington's probably in the and eh, not going to compete. Not. But who's Washington going to trade? You're not going to go trade for Strasburg or Corbin, you know. We don't want that money. And then, you know, and well, this is I know it's not going to compete. I know West Rockies. Who are you going to go get from the Rockies? Nobody. Herman Marquez probably not. Not worth trading one of your top guys for. About in the NL Central, you're not gonna go get anybody from the Reds. They're all the guys starting their rotation are young guys looking to build around. 
There's not a lot of options to go trade for. <sighs> you, I don't know. That's it's an iffy situation, which is the exact opposite of the Brewers because well, because the Cardinals are going to score. They're going to score a ton of runs. Arenado and Goldschmidt rake. Edmonds nice. Carlson's nice. Donovan's nice. O'Neal's nice. Newbar is nice. Like that's a good route. Contreras they add. Like they're going to score. They're going to score a lot of runs. But can they get outs? The exact opposite of where Milwaukee's at. Uh, Milwaukee's going to get outs. You know, Burns is going to be Corbin Burns, even though the Brewers are going to tell him he's not. Uh, Woodruff is going to be Brandon Woodruff, right? And Freddie Peralta is going to be Freddie Peralta. And you got Lauer at the back end there, and they signed Wade Miley. And it's a pretty good rotation. And bullpen-wise, obviously no hater, but Devin Williams is still back there. That's one of the best guys in the entire sport. That's a that's a, not a bad pitching rotation. Are they your two, then? They're my two. The Brewers? Yeah, my two. Brewers yeah, they're two? my two. I got Cubs at three. Because I think the Brewers just, even if they don't score a lot of runs, they're not going to give up any runs. And all, like, if you're the Brewers, man. So tough, though. Because that's what killed the, them last year. They had the pitching, and they still just could not hit to save here's, their lives. Here's why. Here's why. If you look at the Brewers roster, there's one guy who, when they were at their peak, he was at their peak. And they've kind of fallen off because he's kind of fallen off. Who's that guy? Yelich. Yelich. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, Yelich. The only guy. Right? And with Yelich, there's a big rule of no more shift. Mm. And he gets a lot of ground balls to the right side. Now, they should be in the lab saying, we got to get rid of that. But if they can't or it's still pretty present... He's going to have more hits because of the amount of ground balls he hits to the right side. And he, he doesn't hit really soft ground. He usually hits the ball pretty hard to the right side. He just pounds it straight into the ground, um, which is – it is what it is. But if you're the Brewers, you're kind of going into this with – if we can just get more out of Yelich, right? Just get more out of Yelich. And we mm-hmm. added William Contreras, who should be a big contributor offensively. And you added Winker, who you kind of need to be a contributor offensively. And right. you get the same production from Adamas, and you get similar production from Rowdy Tellez. You're looking at an offense that can maybe put it together. It's not going to be the most consistent piece of art, but you can maybe put it together as long as you get more from the guy that you needed to be a star when you signed him to the star contract. That's where I think that puts him ahead of the Cubs is because I think their offense has more of an ability to put it together to score runs, and they're definitely going to give up less runs than the Cubs will. I think we'll really have to wait and see about the start of the season because I really think that if the Brewers' momentum at the start of the season keeps carrying them down, then it'll just be a slippery slope from there. But if they can turn it around quick and show that they can actually compete and score runs, then they're as good as anybody in the NL Central, really. They can compete with the Cardinals, beat the Cubs easily, beat the Pirates, beat the Reds. So I think it's really the standings for this division are really just dependent on them because we really don't know what we're going to get right now. We kind of have a good idea of what we're going to get from most of these other teams, but yeah, they're they're pretty much the underlying factor, I'd say. Well, and like you said, if they start out slow, you're talking about Burns and Woodruff being Boom, two of the gone. biggest acquisition gone. pieces in the league because they both have what? an extra year of control after this too. So you're talking know. about what Corbin even, Burns with what? two years, uh, two years of control. Woodruff what with did... two years of control, and if you're bad, those are the only two guys that are your studs, really, besides Adamus. And those are, you know, you, you only got one more year of control. If you're proving that this roster isn't going to get it done, I, I could, 
They already traded Hater like they showed they'll trade. Why did they get rid of him though? It makes no sense. I'm not confident that they can like they made they traded Hater, said, Okay, it seems like okay, we're not gonna compete anymore. That's it. And then they went and tried to make the division and couldn't. So I it makes you think what is their front office doing? Are they capable of bringing in prospects or big pieces for these other big pieces. So that's my they tried to outsmart that. the, They tried to outsmart the market is what they tried to do because you, the relievers, the volatility is so big, right? Like they can be really, really good. And then they can be not so good. Right. And that you try, what they tried to do is at the peak of haters value before they thought he might fall off. They said, let's go get a ransom for him. Right. Like let's go get a, a, a big yeah. old king's ransom for him. They tried to outsmart the market and kind of hang on to the same team they had. And it, you can make it up all you want and say it's not real, but man, morale's a real thing, dude. And I know it doesn't factor into analytics. I get it, but it's real. When you trade your closer, right? The closer on a team that tries to win games, man, that's a little kick in the nuts. Maybe that has a little relation to the arbitration state or argue argument too that. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're just betting on their guys to fall off at a certain age. So, or it's just an organization sure. that doesn't really build relationships with their players the way that yep. they probably need to, which is also a factor in maybe not winning the way that they plan to win. Right. Exactly. But yeah. So those those are my standings. I got Cardinals one. I I just I they're the most talented team. I just if their pitching doesn't hold up, I I really could see Milwaukee if they stay healthy and. You know, do end up having a little bit of offense. I, I think Milwaukee can win it. I don't think the Cubs can win it. I think the Cubs no. can compete, maybe get a wild card spot. I don't think the Cubs can win the division. I just don't think there's there's enough like star power there to take it over. Like even you say what you want with Milwaukee, right? Burns and Woodruff are stars. Williams is a star at the back end. Adams is a star, and Yelich very well could be a star. Like he could be the Yelich again. You look at the Cardinals, and that's a star-powered team. You know, Goldschmidt and Contreras and Arenado. That's a star-powered team. Helsley's a star. And you go to the Cubs, and it's like, you know, who's your stars? Right, there's some good. There's good players. It's a good, deep team. But where's your stars? Because you got Swanson, who's your star. And then who's your who after that? Because there's nobody in the rotation that strikes me as a star. There's no one in that bullpen that strikes me as a star. And you may be hoping Ballinger is a star. Other than that, it's just not there. So that's why I put Milwaukee ahead because they got guys that are game changers. And then Cardinals have more game changers. And the Cubs just really don't. They just got one. And they're hoping he's a game changer. Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting shakeout. I think the Cubs are a little better than people think or can be with all these sneaky veteran additions. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all I got for it. Yeah, and that's pretty much all I got for it. I got, yep, Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs, Pirates, and then quite possibly the worst team in the sport, the Reds. That's where I'm Unfortunately. at. Unfortunately. Sorry to Reds fans out there. Feel bad it, for it. it. It's sad because the, the, the Reds the Reds is a cool, they're a cool franchise, man, but they just, it's just not it. Not yeah. this year, at least. Maybe so. in a couple. Yeah, maybe in a couple. But, but that's it for our NL Central preview. Uh, we'll see which one we do next. We might head out east next time. Find out. But for now, that's it for our NL Central preview. We're going to head over to the next segment. What the hell happened to this guy?
a quick little short fun segment here, but we like to do this one. What the hell happened to this guy? We talk about some former major league players that uh, are no longer playing the sport but doing something else, and you know, what the hell happened to him? So, uh, Will, what you got, man? Who's your what the hell happened? My what the hell happened to you? You want me to make you guess it, right? Absolutely. Okay, so I will say I'll start with his career. Bounced around. He's a... Uh, Played a long time ago. Not a long a time ago. What's up? A little journeyman? Yeah, some would say. Not too bad, though. Like, played... Hold on, let me look. Played for... Oh, only two teams. Never mind. I'm mistaken. Played oh, from right. 86 to 94. Played for the White Sox. Was one of his teams. Okay. Currently develops, manufactures, imports, markets... And markets high quality food products. Widely regarded, this might give it away, as one of the greatest athletes ever. Any guess? And if you can't get it, I'll give you one guess and you'll get it in a heartbeat. If it's widely considered, I'm going to go with it's got to be Bo Knows, right? It is Bo Knows. He owns a, a business called Jackson and Partners where they develop, manufacture, import, and market high quality food products. So, yeah, really? that's what he. That's what he's up to now, interestingly enough. <laughs> interesting. I Very actually didn't interesting. know that. Yeah. I didn't well, know that. I was kind of just thinking, like, hey, what, what's Bo Jackson up to nowadays? I haven't heard from him in a while, but yeah. It's that's funny what, that you thought that. Yeah. Is that what you picked, too? No, no, no. But I was on the same, like, <laughs> my like mindset was, I thought of this guy the other day, and I was like, what is this guy doing now? And I actually had to really search because I couldn't find it. it. Took me a yeah, while, I but I was determined 30 to 30 find out. The other day, and Bo Jackson, it just, yeah, it kind of just showed him like playing with like bone arrows and stuff called bonos. Yeah, oh, that's the and old I, one. Yeah, I've seen that before. Yeah, right. And I was like, I wonder what he actually is doing though. Like he's not yeah. just shooting bone arrows all day, but yeah, that's what he's up to now. Uh, food. It's kind of amazing. <laughs> I don't like, know if how... Bo Jackson was like playing today, he would never work on like never do anything for the rest of his life. Never. He wouldn't need to even try and have a business. That's what, he would that's just what I was just about to say. Commercials. It's weird how athletes from back then, no matter how spectacular they were, might still have to work now because they'd probably didn't make enough back in their heyday. I don't know how yeah, Bo how no, much Bo Jackson yeah. made total, but that's what he's he up to currently. One good year now and never work again. Just the oh, way yeah. the money works. Yeah, but rather right, even even playing two sports. <laughs> yeah, even playing two sports, you still got to do something to kind of keep making some mo. Yep. But all right, I'll let you with mine. Um, so again, like I said, I I had to do a lot of research on this to try and find out what this guy does. And the <laughs> best that I got, that. Will, the best that I got was that he is currently. The the owner maybe of Diamond R Hitting Instruction, and he's been doing giving lessons and giving hitting instruction for four four years now since his retirement in 2018, 2019. And the only other the other hint that I can give you is that he is a notorious White Sox killer. Again, this just came to my mind. The other day, I was like, what is this guy doing now? 
So he obviously played. I'm guessing he plays in the NL or AL Central. Sorry. Yeah, and yeah, he he played. Well, he played for a lot of teams, but where is that hitting facility in? I literally will. I couldn't find it. I believe he lives in Florida, so I'm assuming it's in Florida. But I went on his Instagram. All I could find was Uh, him hunting in Kansas and stuff. Hunting in Kansas, White Sox killer. Who I believe lives in Florida now. Any chance you'd give me a team, or would that be too obvious? I, I'm not really familiar with many White Sox killers. He right now, to be played honest. for both Detroit and Cleveland. Played a lot of positions. Dude, I'm blanking. I'm. Uh oh, I got a guess. What you got, Rajay Davis? Not Rajay Davis, but the first letter of that name is correct. Our initials. This one's tough. I don't know. I R R R R. Dude, I know. I think I. I, I mean, like literally, the only personality trait that he had as a baseball player was that he was the White Sox killer. And I'm gonna go into some details about the numbers on it. R- it's absolutely R- absurd. Yep. Dude, I honestly have You'll know it right when I say it. I promise you. you I, like, I feel like it's right on the tip of my tongue. Like, I want to say oh, last name Reynolds or Renfro, but I don't think that's... I know that's not right. His oh. last name begins with the letters R-A-B. Oh, Ryan Rabel? Ray- Ryan right? Rayburn, yeah. Rayburn, Rayburn. Okay. Ryan okay. Rayburn. Wow, that that, is, that's an old he memory. Was, he was just on my mind the other day, and I was like, man, what is he doing now? But I just kind of wanted to highlight some of... That's a super old take. He retired in 2018. I know. It feels so long ago, though. I know. I just remember he, he, playing well, the show in like Sox 2012. Years. He wasn't even a That's good player. Crazy. He wasn't even a really good player. But he just tore... Just listen to this, Will. Okay? Here's Ryan Rayburn's white, like, just White Sox numbers. So in his career, he was a 250 hitter. He had 93 career home runs. 22 or 20 of those home runs came against the White Sox. That's gross. And mind you, he he played for, uh, let's see, 10 years? Nine years? Also, Unreal. 22 doubles against the White Sox. 297 career hitter. 872 OPS. 82 RBIs. This is all in 122 games. Okay, now listen to the 122 games part. He played 122 games against the White Sox. He never played more than 90 against any other team. So of the 29 other teams, he never played more than 90 games. But he played 122 against the White Sox. He had 413 plate appearances against the White Sox. Against no other team did he have more than 250 plate appearances. 413 plate appearances against the White Sox. No more than 250 against any other team. Of the on the 20 home runs he had against the White Sox, only one team did he have more than 10. He had 20 against the White Sox. Only other team he had more than 10 was 12 against the Kansas City Royals. Isn't that bizarre? I, Guy was a 253 career that. hitter. I can't believe I didn't get two, that. I knew that. 253 career hitter with 93 home runs. 
and he had 20 of them come against the White Sox with 82 RBIs. The next closest RBI total was, again, against the Texas Rangers, against 25. It's like the he was not only was he killing the White Sox, the teams he played for knew that he only hit well against the White Sox, and he didn't play against anybody else besides the White Sox. I wonder how they, he, he would, would play, play for the White Sox. He did. He signed a minor league deal, but never got a chance to be, make the major league team. He played in huh. Charlotte. Never, never played for the big league team. He did sign a deal with the White Sox, but never actually played for the big league team. Sounds he like he started ninety three games chance. against. He started 93 games against the White Sox, Will. What do you think the next closest number is? That he started games against? Yeah. 93 starts against the White Sox. 50, maybe? No, 40? Yeah. 59 against the Royals. Jeez. 34-game difference. Gross. 34. That's gross. That's, that's bizarre. He did, They didn't play him against anybody else. And I'm not talking about 34, like... That you gotta think every other team combined. Right. right. Like every other team. The closest one to him was a 34 game difference. Is b- absurd. We were just but getting trolled only, by all yes, the other the, teams. Literally getting trolled. Like, oh yeah, this guy sucks and we know he sucks, but we're gonna make sure he's starting against you because we know he just piss pounds you. Isn't that bizarre? It's gross. Like, what an absolute like the definition of a White Sox killer. He only played against them because the teams he played on knew he sucked. But he only, like if you're like he played in Detroit and Cleveland for so long, solely because they knew he smoked the White Sox. Like <laughs> they knew it, like oh we get him 19 times a year. Rayburn's got to be good for 19 games. <laughs> like we got to have him for those 19. I wonder, dude. That's wild. It's got to be just like. All mental. There's like obviously it's not just chance, right? Gotta just he, he just I don't even he know. had an interview and he wow. just said like you know there's nothing really else to it. I knew he was good, but I didn't know the numbers were that good. That's <laughs> significantly the, different too. Ready for this one? I don't know. Well, just here you go. He had 626 career hits in in his total career. Six hundred. How many do you think came against the White Sox? It's not six hundred twenty-six. Half of them. Not half, but twenty five percent. Yeah, about about twenty twenty two percent of all the hits in his career came against one team. Can you even feel in good his about career, your career at that point? Career. You just huh? spent your entire career just dismantling the White Sox. Can you feel good about your career? It's insane, dude. I mean, yeah, he's the White Sox killer. I guess. I wonder that, how much. That's just. Like I just kept looking at those numbers, going, "This has to be a joke. It's got to be a joke." That is wild. The way that he played against this team. So he had oh oh my god, they just keep getting better. He had sixteen career stolen bases. Well, <laughs> I'm gonna guess eight 11. came against the White Sox. <laughs> it's insane. What the? It's insane. It's just insane. Wanted, just wanted to ruin our lives, specifically us, us White Sox it's fans. Ri- it's just, uh, it's just ridiculous. Hundred ninety-two total bases against the White Sox. No other team was even above a hundred. <laughs> it's, it's so weird because it's not even like the stat is just a guaranteed rate field. It's no, it's just it's against, just the, against White the White Sox. Yes, it didn't matter where they were. They could have played on the moon, and Rayburn would have gone three for four with two doubles and a bomb and drove in six. 
Like, that's just how good he was against the White Sox. He was Mike Trout against the White Sox. Prime Barry Bonds. Just dumb. <laughs> like, dumb. I just kept, just kept looking at it. Like, I'm still looking at it now, laughing. Like, I just, I'm finding things I didn't even see before. Now I'm looking just, at the baseball reference page. Just weirdly ruined my day. I don't know why. <laughs> like, it, it makes joke. me upset. What a joke, man. Ryan Rayburn. I'm going to have to make a TikTok on that. Check out the TikTok later tomorrow. We'll get a Ryan Rayburn talk going on there. It's, it's just ridiculous. But, yeah, well, that's our uh, what the hell happened to this guy. Ryan Rayburn is giving hitting instructions down in Florida and still remembering his time as the greatest White Sox killer of all time. And Bo Jackson is distributing meat. High-quality meat, not just regular high, meat. High, he, wanted, he, he told me to quality. say that. He actually shot it himself. Do you know that? Not even meat, just food products in general. Very high quality. Oh, yeah. All kinds. Yeah, food products. Yep, mayo. Don't, and... don't want to mis- mistake that. He's a scary person. Is, it, is it just human food? Are we doing dog food too or bird food? Just I would imagine food? just human. I didn't go okay. that far into it, but okay. I wouldn't put it past I mean, him. Yeah, hey, if, he's, if it's high quality, you never know. Anything will eat it. <laughs> Producing anything so. good. But, all right, let's head on to our final segment here. That's what the hell happened to this guy. That was our what the hell happened to this guy segment. Let's move on to the final segment of the day, which is going to be a good old start, bench cut, retire, but a little bit different this time. Okay, We're not just going to be picking a certain guy that we want to start, bench cut, retire. We're going to kind of do a scenario, I don't know, history type thing. And our start bench cut retire today is going to be the best free agent signings since 2010. Our four nominees are Max Scherzer in 2015 with the Washington Nationals, where he signed a seven-year, $210 million contract. Then we have Adrian Beltre signed with the Texas Rangers in 2011. To a six-year, ninety-six million dollar contract. Then Jose Abreu signed with the Chicago White Sox out of Cuba to a six-year, sixty-eight million dollar contract back in 2014. And finally, Roldis Chapman of the Cincinnati Reds, who signed with them in 2010, a six-year, thirty million dollar contract. Will, who is your start of these four contracts, and why? I start is Max Scherzer. Yep. Because he obviously won them World Series. Winners win. I think that's one of the most important qualities in a baseball player. Winners win. Obviously, threw some great games for them, too. Was pretty dominant during his time with the Nationals. So, yep, he's my start. Yeah, he's my start, too. I mean, they won a World Series with them. Um, he like literally was a candidate every single year for the Cy Young under that contract. His last year where he was with both Washington and the Dodgers, he finished third. 2020 was the only year that he wasn't in the top 10. Uh, 2019, he finished third. 2018, he finished second. 2017, he won. 2016, he won. 2015, he got fifth. Those were his, those were his seven years. So the only year he didn't finish in the top 10 was 2020, which was also the COVID-shortened year. It's the only year he didn't finish in the top 10. Actually, really the top five of Cy Young voting, which is just remarkable. 
Um, and he, there was a lot of criticism on that deal at the time, you know, $30 million deal of that length of the pitcher. It's hard to believe that's going to go well. He proved everybody wrong, and he was worth every penny of every year of that contract. And not only that, but they finished it off by in the seventh year of the deal when he was still being Max Scherzer. You know, they made a good, they made a trade with the Dodgers and were able to get Cabert Ruiz and some other really good pieces, Josiah Gray, to kind of help flip the flip the tide of the organization and get into this rebuilding phase. So one of the best contracts really in a free agent history in terms of they won. He provided insane value. It, that's about as good as it gets in terms of signing a free agent. So yeah, he's my start. Okay, now we got bench. My bench yep. is Jose Abreu. Wait, yeah, bench really? is the second right. one. Yeah, I put Jose Abreu second. He might not have have as good as numbers of Adrian Beltre, but when you look at the awards, that's what really gets your attention. Rookie of the year, MVP. Even though his his rookie of the year was when he might have been twenty seven, we don't know for sure. Yes. Still won rookie of the year. He's been in MVP voting. A lot of his years, uh, but yeah, I mean, he's my two. It's really tough to say because wasn't I wouldn't say he's as great a hitter as Adrian Beltre overall, but I mean, he got the awards, he's got the stats, not the wins, but that's enough for me. An MVP and a rookie of the year, that's enough to put me in a, put you number two. What about okay. you? What do we got? Yeah, got I'm, I'm gonna bench Beltre. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bench Beltre here. Um, you know, six years, 96 is a pretty good value. And not only was it good value then, it was good value as the deal kept going on because the guy just kept absolutely producing. Made three all-star teams, right? They went to a World Series in year one there. They also made the playoffs twice while he was under that specific contract. You know, he's putting up, he's, you know, in the, he's all-star game MVP in 2011. Um, or he was, yeah, oh, he was he was in the All Star Game in 2011, 15th in MVP voting. 2012 All Star Game, third in MVP voting. Won Gold Gloves in both that year. Silver Slugger in his first year in Texas, seventh in MVP voting in 2013, 15th in MVP voting in 2014, seventh in MVP in 2015, and in the final year of that six year deal, MVP seventh or seventh in MVP voting, and also won a Gold Glove again. So not only was he you know winning awards, and not only was their team winning more often than you know, the White Sox or the Reds were after their deals. Uh, but, you know, he's also probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I, I underestimated how good Adrian Beltre was. And now that he's retired, I'm starting to kind of realize how good he was because, man, that dude's a stud. And for six years, 96 to be playing in the hot corner, which is a pretty valuable defensive position, and to win gold gloves and be in the top 10 in MVP voting like four of the six years and make three all-star games, you know, I, I think that's pretty impressive. And I'll put him up there just – more winning, you know, played a more premier defensive position, and yeah, they got really good value out of him. So, yeah, he's by cut, really tough okay. between him and Jose. But yes, I did realize a little more how valuable he was. Looking back on it, mm-hmm. I mean, in 2013, he had almost 200 hits, 199. Uh, played some pretty big playoff games, if I'm not mistaken, for the Rangers, but. People forget this guy just played, played. He's old, played 21 years, kind of a legend, had some great years, his best years with the Rangers. And 
Jose Abreu's contract was a little better, but Adrian Beltre's is still worth his production, in my opinion. Yeah, there's only one one of those years during that during that run of the six year contract that he played less than 140 games, which is pretty impressive to play third base when you're 30. That contract ran from when he was 32 to he was 37, and he only had one season during that time where he played less than less than 140 games at third base. So that's pretty impressive, which is why I had my bench. And unfortunately, I hate to do this, but Jose's not even my cut. Really? I'll put a Rawls in my cut, and here's why. Those Reds teams actually won a little bit with a Raldis. Plus, the the genius behind the move was when they signed the deal, while Raldis was still technically starting. And then they signed him and said, you're going to be our closer. And Araldis, you could make the argument, became a Hall of Famer during that contract. Like he's one of he's quite possibly the greatest left-handed reliever of all time. It's probably like him and Billy Wagner up there in terms of who's better than him. And Billy Wagner getting in the Hall of Fame, if he does, would be really good for Chapman's case. I don't know if he gets it on the character clause, because that was pretty <laughs> eh. Right? But Couple Chapman, <laughs> yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple, couple, couple things going on there that might not be so good for him, but in terms of in terms of the production, right, he's absolutely dominating at the back end of that bullpen for the Reds for six years. At the end of that deal, they trade him to the Yankees, right, right as he's in the investigation for domestic violence. Right, that's when they yep. trade him, so they got they got value for him. Um, and I actually really didn't get much value because they got like none of the guys in the trade actually made the big leagues, which is kind of sad. But they they got a lot of value during the contract while he was playing with them, and he's quite possibly the best left-handed reliever of all time. And they won. They had they they went to the playoffs during during those those years. So you know I I think that that one ranks a little bit higher than Jose for me, which is why I have Jose at my retire because they just didn't win. You know, like they got this, they got Jose Abreu on this insanely good deal, right? Six for 68. That's a hell of a deal for a guy that was putting up the production that Jose was. But Chapman was only making $5 million a year. Six at 30, making $5 million a year, you're going to be the best closer in the sport. And Jose's, you know, just on, not on a winning team. They couldn't put a team around him. And, you know, he was kind of like, you know, a piece, a piece of gold in the shit yard that, that Jose was. And, it's it's tough to get behind it being a great signing because they didn't do anything with it. I think that's what makes a great signing sometimes is you make a great signing, you do something with it, right? Like even Lester had some difficult years in Chicago, but they won. The Hayward signing wasn't good, right? But the Cubs won. So some of these big deals that maybe don't always work, the whole idea is to win, and the White Sox made this great deal at a cheap price that they should have been able to build around because they should have had more money to spend, and they didn't win. And so it's hard for me to put that signing up there as really, really good, even though Jose's going to have a statue, even though Jose's going to get his number retired. You know, it's And the, they didn't win until the other contract, right? So they made the playoffs twice while Jose was in a White Sox uniform, but that came on the second contract, the three-year deal, which cost a lot more money, and the AAV was tougher. So, well, that's it's what's hard, hard for me though. to get behind. Yeah, it's really easy to say that it was a good signing when your team wins. Obviously, that's what I said for Max Scherzer. But in terms of the signing being good, I would say it has more to do with 
the output of the player and the rest of it would I mean it's obviously not Jose's Jose Brady's fault that we didn't win as much as we should have or could have but I think it, I just couldn't put an MVP below second oh, too hard for me no I and I get that I too cuz even unbiased just MVP you got you got to balance that right like you know even though they didn't win he was he's still going to be one of the greatest players ever put on a White Sox uniform and that's why it's a good signing it's just you know during that time the Reds used the 5 million dollars a year they had to pay Chapman to be able to address other team needs and make the playoffs while the White Sox couldn't take advantage of the team friendly deal they got with Abreu and, and make the playoffs so i just in terms of a front office standpoint, I think the Chapman deal ranks higher. In terms of a emotional and you know fan perspective, right? You you make the argument that Abreu is significantly better because he'll you know you're going to go back to White Sox Stadium in 20 years and see his mural or his statue or something. And yeah, I remember when Jose was playing; those teams absolutely sucked. But Jose Abreu was there, and he was lighting it up. So. From a morale, like from a morale perspective, yeah, the Jose one's probably better. But in terms of baseball success, you know, I I probably would put Chapman ahead, and that's why I did. Guess it just really depends the way you look at it. Yep, all depends on which eyes you're viewing it from, huh? Exactly. Huh? But uh, yeah, folks, that's all we got for this one. Uh, you know. No guess, but we filled it up pretty good here. A lot of good baseball talk. Even got some football talk in the beginning, which if you guys are interested, have fun with that. And, yeah, we are, like we said, we're going to look to see if we can add a guest here um, for the second show this week. If not, you know, come back, enjoy the ride with us, and, you know, enjoy some chalk line talk. But until next time, adios, ladies and gentlemen. And everybody else. Chance of a lifetime. Sitting on 714. She is gone!